Hello, hello, hello. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Glad you are here. Welcome to another live stream. Glad you all made it. Um, we do this every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Mountain Time. So if you're into fish, if you are a fish geek, join us. <laughs> you're in the right place. <laughs> um, all right. So I've got some exciting stuff to talk about. Some of the stuff is, is super, super exciting. I'm thrilled about Um Let's see here. Where to start? First, I'm going to start with a report on how shipping went this week. All the packages have already arrived, and I'm thrilled to say that once again, we've had 100% arrive alive and look alive and look good this week. So, so far this year, we are 100% as far as uh, fish getting where they're going to get alive. And I haven't heard anyone from last week say that they had any losses or problems or obvious issues of sick that uh, of sick of fish that were sick or, or too stressed during shipping and didn't do well or anything. So I think we're off to a good start for 2020. So I am thrilled to be able to say that. That is what I want to be able to say every week. Unfortunately, as some of you know, and as some of you have experienced, it doesn't happen 100% every week, but we're pretty darn close and uh, thanks to everyone that bought um, fish uh, this week and last week. I appreciate it. You're keeping me in business. And uh, yeah, very much appreciate it. Um, the second thing is I want to give you an update on the fish annex. Then I'm going to give you an update on some uh, neat fish that I'm planning on bringing in. I went over the Nigeria list, what I plan to bring in from West Africa last week. And... This week, I'm going to go over the list from, of wild bettas and, and fish like that. To start with the annex, here's where we're at. I got a, uh, I contacted my rep this week and he said that the aquarium shipped out on Tuesday and should be here tomorrow or Friday. So that's the last of them. So I'm very excited. I've been waiting for a long time. I bought, I ordered a a whole bunch, 81 40 gallon breeder tanks in December. And they were only able to send me 30. There was a snafu on the back of the delivery truck. <laughs> a stack of tanks actually fell over. You can see it on my Instagram. And, um, and so we lost four. So I ended up with only 26 tanks out of 81 and they've been back ordered ever since. So finally they have them, they've shipped them and I am waiting for them. So Hopefully tomorrow or the next day, as soon as it's warm enough, uh, the high today I think was 20 degrees, the low was negative five Fahrenheit. Um, so next week, it looks like the highs will be in the 40s. So my plan is if they arrive Friday to drill them all on Monday and then uh, take them inside and get them all painted and, and ready to go. So um, I would drill them even though it's super cold on Friday or Saturday or whenever they come. But the problem is you have to have flowing water <laughs> in order to drill the tanks. And so I, when it's that cold, my water supply on the outside doesn't work. Um, I have to drill them outside. It's a big mess. You don't want to drill a bunch of tanks inside. It's a big mess. So going to do it outside. And it looks like next week, Monday, I will be able to start doing that. So I think I can finish on Monday. Depends on how crazy uh, shipments are. It might be Tuesday before I can finish, but I'm thrilled about that. 
Next thing in the meantime that I've done is I installed the air pump. So the air loop is pretty much all set up, connected to the manifolds, and the air pump was installed today. It's a big old um, linear piston pump from Gemco. It's an LPH 200. It's the biggest one they make, and uh, I think it's going to do an excellent job. Haven't been able to test it yet, but I'm I'm glad it's in and up and ready to go. Um, so here, what else did I get done? Um, mostly a whole bunch of stuff that by looking at it, you can't really see progress, like a whole bunch of PEX plumbing. I uh, got the water heater hooked up to the supply and the out and up into the uh, mixing valve. So all the water that comes out gets to the tanks at the right temperature, all that stuff. Plumbing takes forever. It's very detail oriented. You have to make all your measurements. You have to, yeah, it's just, you never have all the parts. So you're always going back to the store to get more, <laughs> but uh, I've gotten pretty good at it and we're just about done with that project. So that's the update on the annex. The only thing I want to get done still before the tanks arrive is the airlines. I'd like to the size and hung behind the tanks. So when the tanks arrive, I can just connect them, but that's simple to do after the tanks arrive. So if they come tomorrow morning, um, that's fine. Pretty much ready to go. Okay, now for the big news about the fish that we'll be bringing into the annex as soon as it's built and the tanks are up and cycled and ready to go. So last week I went over the fish from West Africa and what I've been trying to do is find a supplier. Hang on, it's saying that there's an air, a problem with the stream. Let's see if this will fix that. Hopefully it will. Hopefully it's not too bad for you guys. Uh, yeah, it's saying that it's uh, stream health is a little bit poor right now. So, yeah. Is it buffering real bad for you guys? Are you doing okay? Let me know real quick if I need to address this or if I can move on. So I don't want to move on if you guys are just like, hey, this is horrible. Well, no one's saying it's bad. So I'm going to working fine for novice aquarist. Okay. All right. I'm going to keep going. Just let me know if we run into any snafus. Let me just refresh. Sometimes that's all it takes. And I don't know why, but <laughs> sometimes I just have to refresh and then everything's good. All right. Yeah. Now it's excellent. Okay. That's all I had to do. We're good. Okay. So the trouble I have is I ship into the Denver airport. It's super cold in Denver in the winter. And um, so I'm hesitant to bring in fish from tropical countries like Nigeria and Indonesia and Colombia um, because they don't put heat packs in and I didn't want them to get to Denver and be cold. So I've been looking for someone to work with and I found that person. I made the deal Tuesday. So it's all set up. I found someone down in Texas, down in Tejas, who will receive the fish, give them 100% water change, put a bunch of heat packs in the box, and then send them to me. So when they get here, they're nice and toasty. It's a lot warmer in Texas than it is here. So, um, so I think I've solved that problem. It's going to cost a little bit of money, but um, I think it'll be worth it just to not have that worry about an entire shipment of fish going down because it took a long time for them to get inspected or clear customs or whatever. So I'm, I'm really happy about that. That's another box I get to check off. And so 
And also, I've been looking for suppliers of wild bettas, and I found a couple. Found a couple. We haven't exactly finalized anything yet, but it looks like it could happen. I, I'm negotiating price. That if you know wild type bettas, the price is just so darn high, and so I'm I'm trying to negotiate price so that. What I don't want to do is order 200 bettas, have to sell them at, say, 75 bucks a pair, because at 75 bucks, the true betta fans will order, and that'll be maybe 10 to 15 pairs, right? Or we'll, we'll sell a few really quickly, and then the rest will just sit forever, and that's not a good business model. So I'm trying to work on the price so that I can get them low enough that... Um, they'll be able to move. Now, I don't want to put them so low, and I can't. I mean, they're not going to budge greatly on the price, but I don't want to get them so low that people, you know, devalue the fish, but I don't want them so high that people that are truly interested in them and will give them a good home and all that, um, you know, are kind of priced out. 75 bucks a pair is a lot, and some of them are that. Some of them are more than that. So trying to trying to find that. But anyway, here's a list. I wanted to share with you this list of fish that I can get from one of the suppliers. Again, I stress the deal isn't done yet, but these are what are available. So I'm just going to show this quickly. Um, if you're a beta geek or really into it, then on the replay, get to this point, pause it and send me an email if there's anything there you really want. But I'm going to have to buy in bulk. So if only one person wants them, I probably can't buy them. But if enough people are like, I've been looking for that, then I'll be like, okay, I'll, I'll bring those in. All right, so here it is. This is a cool list. So just real quick so people can see it. And then I'll show you some of the highlights on this list. It's For those listening, I'm just showing folks a, a three-page list of wild-type bettas that are um, available. Now, I want to stress also that just because they're on a list doesn't mean that when I go to order them <laughs> that they're actually going to show up, right? Just because an exporter or a supplier shows me a list doesn't mean that they have half of the stuff. So um, just keep that in mind. But here are some highlights, some stuff I'm super excited about. One is Beta Mandor. It's in the Forshai uh, group. And that's a group that I've wanted for a long time never been able to find, but they have these bright red cheek covers, operculum covers, um, and this beautiful iridescence. I'm excited about that little fish. Here's another one, but a baddock. I like them because they have this neat tiger stripe pattern that is just, it's unique. I don't know of uh, many other fish, especially not bettas, wild type bettas, that have that. So I'm looking forward to those. Palafina, this is the Maratus location. Uh, and one nice thing about working directly with people that collect and amalgamate and export is they can often tell me the exact collection point for the fish I'm getting. So that's pretty important if you're into bettas. Now, not all of them have a collection point, nor will I be able to coerce a collection point um, for all of them, but for the ones that I can, I'll definitely do that. And I like, I like this fish a lot. It's beautiful. Um, 
Unimaculata, this is the Mahakam strain, the Mahakam location. These are big. Uh, these are a, a large fish. And if you can imagine a fish this big with these bright blue gill plates, that I think is going to be an impressive fish. Beta uberis, I've never actually seen this fish before, so I'm I'm curious if I can to bring it in and see what it's like. Um, and it looks really neat. It looks like a cross kind of between a chocolate garami and a betta. It's in the cochina complex, but I like kind of the elongated fins, a lot of iridescence on it. I think it could be an interesting little fish. I've never seen it before, so I would like to. Hendra, a holy grail fish for a lot of people. Beautiful, dark fish with a lot of blue and green iridescence on it. I don't know. These, these pictures, these are from Amazonas Magazine. So they're like professional, as good as it gets. I don't know how touched up they are. But, you know, definitely something like this or this is, is accurate. They're still a pretty fish, even if they aren't. Some photos cheat. That's all I'm going to say. And I'm not accusing anyone of anything. I don't want to accuse Amazonas Magazine. They're a really great magazine. But. How often are the fish as pretty as the pictures? Sometimes they're prettier, but. Um, Dimidiata is another really cool one. I like it because it looks like a paradise fish with these long spikes on the caudal fin, on, on, on the unpaired fins and the, um, the pelvic fins as well. Okay, we're almost done. For those not into bettas, we're almost done. I don't even know how to say this. Dennis Yongai, I guess. Never seen this fish before. It looks like a lot like a better rubra, like that, but it's not. It's a separate species. There are some differences. And then the last one, I've never seen this fish. This is a new species, Siam orientalis, um, which is in the uh, splendens group. So it's similar to uh, Imbellus and splendens and all, all those other fish. All right, so... Those are some of the highlights off that list. That's not an exhaustive look at the list, but those are the ones that when I was looking over the list kind of jumped out at me as I was like, oh, that's pretty. Or, oh, I've never heard of that one. Let's look that up. And so some nice surprises in there. So anyway, I hope that that was fun for people. Um, if you're not into bettas, that was probably <laughs> so, so super boring. But... Um, but we're done now. Now we're going to get to the giveaway. So when you do this, when you bring in fish and sell them and bring in new fish and all that, occasionally you get to a point where you sold off most of the fish and you bring in new ones and put them in the tank and you get these little odds and ends from previous batches. So I've been collecting these odds and ends for a while and it's usually some pretty cool little stuff. So it's not enough to really list on the website for sale because there's maybe one or two or something like that. And so what the giveaway is this week is random fish. Yes, I'll go look at some of these odds and ends that are laying around. They'll be small, peaceful fish. I'm not going to send you any monsters. They'll be stuff you can keep in a normal community tank generally. And um, there's a couple of loaches that I don't even know what they are. That's the other thing. Sometimes we get contaminants. We order fish and little one or two of them aren't the fish we ordered. They're just something, a mystery fish that shows up and uh, stuff like that. Now, the caveat is I'll definitely send you a pair of wild type bettas. Um, I found a pair of betta rubra. So I'll be sending you a pair of betta rubra in this box. 
along with some random stuff that can live with better rubra, whether it's probably going to be, there, there's some random gobies I have. There's some uh, loaches. Like I said, I think I have one drape fin barb hanging around, um, stuff like that. So that's what the giveaway is. So it's a bit of a gamble, but a pair of better rubra by itself was a pretty darn good giveaway. Um, so we're going to add some odds and ends to that. So to win tonight, if you want, if you want to take that gamble, and again, it'll be stuff that can live with better rubra. So it's not going to be huge and it's not going to be aggressive. Um, here's how to enter that. The hashtag is random fish. So if you would like to get entered into the drawing, the giveaway, the, uh, later in the stream, um, type in hashtag random fish and I will, uh, You'll be in the drawing and you might win some stuff. I'll probably send, it'll probably be as many as I can fit in a small box. That's generally about six fish is what I'll send you. So hopefully that's exciting, a little different than normal, but I was, I was looking at these little loaches that I have. They're in with some uh, little baby Geophagus wine milleri and some Pandagara. And I was looking at them and I'm like, oh, should I list them? I don't really know what they are. I have to do a ton of research to find out what they are for two little fish. That doesn't make a lot of economic sense when you're running business to take two hours to identify a fish that you only have two of that you'll never probably order again and that you can maybe sell for, you know, six bucks or I don't know how much they're worth because I don't know what they are. But, you know, so this seemed like I was like, hey, I should give them away. I was like, OK, we'll do that. It looks like people like it. A lot of people <laughs> have joined in to win that candy overhauls. Holy hashtags. Yeah, they're rolling in for sure. <laughs> All right. Maybe that was a good idea. Maybe we'll do this again occasionally. Monica Lynn likes it. Thanks for the feedback, Monica. All right. Cool. That's, that's the full update. Um, basically, I spend every moment I can building. I'm trying to get that annex done because I'm going to run out of money if I don't get that sucker done. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm working hard to get it done. Um, oh, thank you, Lone Star Aquarius. I did not switch back. Thank you for bringing that to my attention because I think I've gone for half an hour before. Usually not that long, but I think once I went for legitimately, what was it, 20 minutes, maybe half an hour where you were all watching the wrong screen. Well, it's probably better than, than this beautiful face, but um, some people are like, no, switch back. <laughs> but thanks for telling me. I appreciate it, the Lone Aquarist. Okay, so um, I'm going to get to your comments and questions now. If you have a question or comment for me, please make it at Dan's Fish so it highlights for me. And I will start and get as many of them in as I can. For those that might be new, I tend to spend quite a while on each question and try to actually give a decent, uh, I don't know, spend some time with it. So it's not just yes or no and move on. So I'm always behind in the chat. If I've passed your question and I haven't seen it, uh, feel free to repeat it. If I haven't got your question, it's probably because I'm not there yet, right? So just keep in mind, I'm always way behind. Okay, Moonstone telling me about my screen too. Yeah, I, I think we got it fixed. KP with his $2 super chat and a cute, I was going to say kitty, but I think it might be a fox. I can never, fox cat, a cute fox cat. <laughs> Thanks, KP. I really appreciate the super chat. Never required, but always appreciated. And they make my wife 
super happy. All right, here we go. Going to the top. I am in live chat, even though it doesn't show it on the side here that you're seeing. I swear I am. And oh, I want to thank my mods. I haven't done that. Thanks for being here, mods. Uh, I see Candy Overholes. I see Kayla's Aquatics. I saw 54 Punchy. Um, let's see if Skipper's here. Don't see him, but if you're here, Skipper, hello. If you came in later and Lumpy Dog, if you made it, where is the mysterious Lumpy Dog? If you made it, hello, Lumpy Dog. I'll catch you as I go down the chat. Killers Aquatics, I have the better ruber from Dan's Fish in the thumbnail. Yep, that's a male um, in the thumbnail. That's one of the males that I bred. He's holding eggs, and he's the dad of the fish I'm going to send you. So that fish in the thumbnail is a wild fish. That's the daddy. I'll be sending you F1 wild rubra from him. Anna Lee wants the better, and I can never say it, Mahakiensis, please. So Annalie, that's the one I'm definitely not going to bring in. I'm so sorry. But the reason is, from what I understand, that's a hard water, brackish water betta. And I am not set up at all to handle brackish fish. So my water is naturally really soft, sometimes a little bit acidic. And I don't want to bring in that species and not be able to provide the proper conditions for it. A lot of fish that like brackish water do really poorly in soft uh, water long term. So uh, until I learn different, I don't think I can bring that fish in. And I'm sorry, it tempts me. It's a beautiful fish, but I can bring in its relatives. I can bring in wild splendens. I can bring in Siam uh, orientalis. I can bring in, uh, is it Smaradina? I can never say that right unless I'm reading it. Um, so I can bring in a lot of its relatives, but that one Annalie, I just don't think I could provide what it needs. So probably going to have to pass on that. And I'm so sorry, the one you want is the one I'm, I've already decided I can't get. Wouldn't be fair to the fish. That being said, um, they are listed occasionally. I see them around at different vendors. So uh, I think you could get a hold of some, even though I can't bring them in. The Lone Aquarist. I'm into salt water, but I love hearing about this stuff. Well, I'm glad because I know next to nothing about salt water. I used to manage a couple saltwater aquariums. Um, actually saltwater section in a fish store, but I knew very little. And this was back in the day. Like we were like protein skimmers were new technology back then. <laughs> and it was hardy stuff. It was clowns and damsels. Um, I remember lionfish. I remember some trigger fish stuff, uh, a few angelfish, things like that. But yeah, saltwater is just, I know so little about it. I like them. I think they're amazing. And maybe one day I'll do it, but that day is not here yet. Holy cow. Let's, how many entries do we have? 96 so far. Yeah, that's good. Thanks for, thanks for joining everybody. And thanks for entering the uh, drawing. It makes it exciting. It's fun for me. Aqua balls. Don't forget to hit the like button. I agree. Aqua balls. Thanks so much. Okay. The lone Aquarius we're seeing. Got it. Mega Mindy Lou. Hey, good to see you. So I ended up with only two blue Akara. Oh, I'm sorry. No telling where the others went. Sorry to hear that. That's always a bummer when fish disappear. Edgar telling me I'm still sharing the screen. Thank you for doing that, Edgar. 
and let's see your chat jumped on me as it is want to do. <laughs> as I'm scrolling back up, I see that Bob Steenfot is uh, buying thank yous from my mods. <laughs> nice, Bob. <laughs> nice. <laughs> thank you, Bob, for the super chats. Um, how many is that from Bob? One dollar super jet. One, two, three, four, five, six. I think we're at six. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Bob. Always appreciated, never required, but it does make Brenda super happy. Okay. David Jenkins, can you show the mystery loaches? Um maybe. We're gonna try some here real quick. They will probably not work. Let's see if we can get this camera down here. Do you see him zipping around? I I'm trying to hold the camera still. It's hard. There, there they are. They're probably not showing up very well. Let's see if I give them a little less light. Will that be better? They have like a zipper pattern up the up the back. The a dark lateral line, about two two and a half inches, and a, a zipper pattern from the lateral line up to the top of the body. Um, but I don't have any pictures or anything. Get that light or we get glare. Um, yeah, so hopefully you could see something there. It's probably really glary and bad, so. Um, Aqua Noob, I love that, I love that username. Dan, do you have any more of the half beaks? I do, I've got a couple left. Um, I'll probably list them. That. That badge didn't do well. Didn't do well at all. Usually they do. So something burned through there. They've been fine for several weeks. So and they're fat and happy and I'm sure I can sell them. But I'd have to look. I think there's not a whole lot left. Some local people have bought some. Um, but I do have a few. Aquanube, if you want some, send me an email. I'll see how many I have and if it's worth doing an order for you or not. But I've only got a few. Um, waffle salad, do you feed veggies to any of your bottom dwellers? And, and if so, what type? So I do, um, I do all kinds of things, honestly. So a lot of your live bearers will eat veggies, um, your plecos and stuff, your gara, all kinds of stuff will. So something I love doing, if I have a melon, like a cantaloupe or a watermelon or something, then the rind, just stick a fork and wash it, of course, stick a fork in it, let it sink to the bottom. The fleshy part of the rind, they'll just chow down on that until all that's left is this super thin skin on the, the very outer edge of the rind, which is too tough, too fibrous for them to eat. So melons, cantaloupes, watermelons, honeydew, cassava, stuff like that, they really love. The standard canned green beans, of course, and my favorite vegetable to feed is Soylent Green, which is... Uh, the veggie formula of the Rapashi superfood. So it's a dry powder you buy, you mix it with hot water, it forms this gel food. And I, I feed that quite a bit. I, what's the other one that they really like? Um, zucchini, zucchini is one of my favorites. I like to peel it, coin it and blanch it and then stick it on a fork and drop it in. Platties go nuts for that. They love it. Platties, sore tails. So easy. And we so often have 
I have uh, kitchen scraps that why not, right? Fish and snails. You ever hatch killifish eggs from eBay? I ordered some. They're on the way. First killies. Um, fish and snails. I've I've tried the distance thing. I think that the supplier I bought them from was in Thailand. This was probably 12 years ago when I first tried it. I never had any success. And I think I think the reason is I don't think the supplier was cheating me or anything like that. But they send them in these thin little Ziploc bags or plastic bags with a little bit of peat moss in a padded envelope. And so you take this little padded envelope with eggs you put it in the cargo hold of an airplane because it's cargo. It's being shipped as a mail or cargo. And that goes up to 30,000 feet or whatever. And it's really, really cold when you get that high in an airplane. And the cargo unit is often not heated. And so they go from, through these massive temperature fluctuations. And that thin amount of peat in that envelope just is not enough insulation, not enough mass to protect the eggs from those temperature fluctuations. So my experience has been that I think maybe, okay, so I saw the eggs in the peat. I saw that they were eyed up and only a few hatched and all the ones that hatched had really, really crooked spines and were belly sliders. So either the shipping process was really bad or they sent them too late. They had been in the egg too long. And at that point, they're not going to hatch. If they send them before they eye up, then maybe it'd be more successful. But usually they sell eyed up eggs because the customer gets them and it's like, oh, there's a fish in there. You know, customers are, no, they're not cheated. They're almost always selling eyed up eggs. And my experience has been, it's either they're like I said, just too long in the egg or those temperature fluctuations and pressure fluctuations too that late in the stage just make them super weak. So I never had any luck fishing snails. Got a few to hatch, but none to live. Um, Scene Fout Aquatics, first super chat of a dollar. If you're wondering how far behind I am, that's where I am. Miss Griffin Fish Room. What fish can you have with a female bed of fish? Well, the first caveat is all bettas have individual personalities, but most female bettas and most male bettas will do fine with other fish. The other thing is lots of variables. There's so many variables. So the fish itself, how big is the aquarium? Is it just a plain aquarium with a sponge filter in the corner? Or is it planted and decorated and there's lots of line of sight blocks and things like that? So I'm going to assume that this is a tank that you have that you have to look pretty. And because you have it to look pretty, it's probably got rocks in it and plants or fake plants or decorations and things, line of sight blocks, all that stuff. Assuming that, then yeah, you can get a female betta in with almost any small, peaceful community fish that A, isn't so small, the betta can eat it. And B, isn't so fast that it stresses out the betta. Um, bettas are pretty sedate fish. They aren't rapid swimmers. So compare a betta to a danio. Pick a danio, any danio, or a rainbow fish, or something like that. 
those danios and rainbow fish are going to be darting around the aquarium all the time. They're very active. All right. They evolved in a lot of times streams and they're fighting current and they're moving from place to place. Bed is evolved in these tiny little pools that are very stagnant or if they are from streams, they're in the uh, bow of the stream and the stream is not fast flowing and they're in the part of the stream with the least current, almost no current off in the margins, right? So bettas aren't quick swimmers. They kind of go and peck at something, go and peck at something. Whereas danios and rainbows are super fast. You drop food in, they're like, boom, it's gone. And the betta hasn't even realized the food dropped yet. So that's something to keep in mind. Now, I have seen bettas kept successfully in tanks that have danios in them and rainbows in them. But you just have to be aware of that. If you have a whole horde of danios, the betta might not do so well. If you have a few and there's enough surface area to feed across and everyone gets some, then it's probably fine. So those are kind of my tips, I would say. But yeah, I've kept female bettas and male bettas with lots and lots of species of small, peaceful community fish. And in general, haven't had any problem. The one place where I've had problems more or less consistently, and it's not all the time, but it's consistent enough that I uh, don't do it anymore, is if I try to keep a male betta with really long fins, like a half moon or a veil tail or something like that, in with fish. Those long flowing fins doing that all day long are just like, like, crack to uh, neon tetras and, and other fish. So in my experience, little peaceful fish like tetras and danios and rasboras and things will see that and they'll start picking at those fins. Now, it doesn't always happen, but it happens very frequently. So a couple things to keep in mind when thinking about keeping a betta in with other species. But yes, it can definitely be done. Steen fought second Super chat of $1. Monica Lynn, could I send you a picture of my wild better for identification? I have no idea which it is. Um, you can do it, Monica. Dan at dancefish.com is my email where you would send it. But please know I am not an IBC wild better true geek person. So I might not be able to help you. But if it's one I recognize, I can maybe start you down the right path. I might know which complex it it belongs to. Um, also a couple places to look. If you look on seriouslyfish.com, they have a whole list of many species of wild type bettas in the complexes that they're grouped in. So you can click on those and find a picture and be like, oh, it's probably in this group and search that group if you find something that looks similar. The other is International Betta Congress. Um, what is that? Is it uh, ibc.org? Okay, let me look. ibcbettas.org. I'm going to link it for you right now. They have a section identifying lots of different kinds of bettas, and those are true betta geeks. Um, people there that you could show a picture to and they could tell you the fish, and if not the fish, the complex. There are some fish that are so similar that you really can't tell just by looking at a picture. You have to count fin rays or look at teeth or even look at DNA sometimes. But uh, yeah, send it over, and I'll either tell you, sorry, I can't, or I'll be like, ooh, I totally know what that is, or I don't know, but it looks like this. Maybe check out fish in that complex. Get you started. <laughs> 
Steen Font with another $1 super chat. Thanks, Bob. Real stinks. Are you sure it wasn't a foxy cat? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Steen Font Aquatics, $1 super chat. Thanks again, Bob. Steenfot Aquatics. Steenfot Aquatics. All right. I think we got to the end of the Steenfot making it rain. Thanks, Bob. I appreciate it. Um, Mega Mindy Lou, they are hiding the Akara. I took out the fake big log and cut it apart looking for them. There was a that was a huge waste of $32. The log, I think. You you tore the log apart? Yeah. Sorry. I hope that yeah, I hope they do better for you next time. Generally, blue Akara. I mean, uh, how do you, they're generally pretty hardy species, but yeah, no luck this time, huh? Small fry aquatics. I have an opportunity to bring in Burmese zebra rasboras. <laughs> Let me try that again. Burmese zebra rasbora. Striking in the picks. Can you tell me about the behavior? Thanks. Um, maybe. Let me see which species that is. It's one I've kept. Oh, yeah. Erythromycron? Is that, is that what they're calling Burmese zebra rasboras? So here's what I Googled. Here's what I'm seeing, uh, small fry aquatics. So, yeah, this is Salix Thickthes uh, erythromycron. I have some in the, in the fish room here right now. Um, let me see if there's something else here that pops up as that. No. Okay. So if that's the fish you're talking about, then their behavior is the same as a CPD, a celestial pearl danio. And what I find with both those species is when you import them, they're going to be super skinny. Often they'll have really pinched bellies. And so the trick is to get them in a tank and get food in front of them right away and treat for an internal parasites right away. Get your uh, Metro Imprazi in there, a general cure probably. Get a few rounds of that in. Um, I also use Levamisol with them and uh, Flubendazole with them. But general cure, get that going and get them eating. Have, have baby brine shrimp hatched and like ready to go so that as soon as they've got comfortable enough in the tank and settled in, you can feed them. Because generally they're very, very skinny. Uh, behavior, very peaceful. Um, tend to be, if they're in a large group, they'll come out together. They'll dither each other. And they'll be confident. If they're not in a large group, they'll often just hang out kind of in the back in the plants. So, uh, but peaceful little fish, just like CPDs. Tiffany White, $3. For, oh, fist bump. Boom. Boom. Right back at you, Tiffany White. Thank you so much for the super chat. Always appreciated. Never required. But it does help for sure. Chat jumped. Let me get back up there. Oh, did I miss? Sorry. I missed Chattanooga's. Chattanooga Ed. Dan, you're the man. The fish man. Well, right now, I smell like fish because I was feeding Rapashi. <laughs> I don't know if the rest of you know <laughs> have this happen to you, but you feed Rapashi. 
your hands smell like fish the rest of the day. So you have to feed it strategically or wear gloves. Yeah, but I'm definitely the fish smelling man. Thank you, Rapashi. Um, I missed a couple more here. I want to make sure. <laughs> Tasty fish sauce, fish bump, Annalie, $10. Thank you, Annalie. Appreciate the super chat. Always appreciate, never required. This is related to the betta species, Macahiensis. Uh, I can't ever say it right, that she wants. But, 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 sorry. You're my favorite fishmonger. Thank you, anyways. You're welcome. Thanks for watching. I wish I could. I like them. And I've been tempted several times. But then I always come back to, yeah, yeah, probably not going to work. Tasty fish sauce, drinking on the same jar as how to vinegar eel vid. Oh, this? <laughs> yes, this is the jar I culture vinegar eels in. No, no, not at all. <laughs> no, totally different jar. Yuck. Oh, yuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one. I, I have my limits. I'm, uh, I'm, is epicurious the right word? I like, uh, I like trying different foods and flavors and things, but I draw the limit at anything that had a live food culture in it. No. Ugh. Tasty fish sauce, $2. Hashtag ramen breaks. Thank you. We are definitely on ramen wages here. We're hoping to change that, working towards it, but. It's a process. It's a process. Fish Keeper Cole. I just bought and set up a five-gallon over the weekend. Congrats. And I need some suggestions for stocking. What are some nano oddballs or any nano in general could I manage to put in there? Thanks. Um, Fish Keeper Cole, there are tons. There are so many. So, you got to do a little work on your own first. Maybe Google NanoFish um, and see what pops in your head. And then if you email me a list, dan at dancefish.com, of like 10 fish that you found that you think are NanoFish, that you think are awesome, then I can look at that list and tell you, um, oh, these aren't compatible. These will go fine together. Uh, this fish actually gets too big. This fish is perfect size and is beautiful, but it's super, super, um, delicate. You know, I can, I can help you there, but I need something a little more solid. Um, when people ask questions like that, I usually think in my mind, what's in my fish room that, um, would fit the bill. So right now I have Aplicylus blockii, a little killifish that only gets, uh, usually about an inch and a quarter. Although I did have a customer send me a picture of a male that I, I believe I sold him a couple years ago, if I'm remembering right. Um, it was about two inches before it died, but that is way, way bigger than I've ever seen them. Uh, inch and a quarter, inch and a half. Um, I've got some betta embellus. I've got a group of females right now that I'm keeping in a five and a half gallon. And they've been in that for several months now. There's no problems. I think I have nine of them. So if you want a little betta sorority of a kind of cool betta species, that could work. Um, I have uh, exclamation point rasboras. Any of the little Bararis rasboras would do well. I have celestial pearl danios. I have uh, erythromicron, which we just talked about with Craig, uh, small fry aquatics. Um, lots, lots of stuff that can go in that size tank. A few different killifish. So take a Google 
get you about 10 and then send me an email and I can help you more specifically. Besides just going, well, here's what I have that would work. Just one more fish with Josh. By the way, um, what was that video you made? Just one more fish with Josh did a really fun video. I forget what it was, but I remember cracking up. <laughs> oh, that reminds me. Jadrin Aquatics is released an amazing fish video. It's about things you should know before building a fish room. And I was watching that thing and I just kept going like, amen. <laughs> I love that video. Um, I didn't necessarily learn anything new, but everything he said, I was like, yes, yes, yes. And it was nice to know that someone else had made the same mistakes that I had once upon a time. <laughs> Things like how to, the, the amount of space you need in the aisles. How are you going to get rid of the drain water without having pipes everywhere that you have to trip over? Um, the distance between the top of the tank and the bottom of the next rack. You don't want to make that too small or you can't work in the tank well. Just all that stuff that almost everyone that's built a fish room at one time or another has been like, I can fit one more tank. It'll be worth it. And then a few months later, been like, man, I hate working on that tank. I can't get to it. I can't see the fish in it. There's no space to, to work around it. Stuff like that. So uh, I thought it was a great video. So check it out. Jason, um, his channel on YouTube is Jattern Aquatics. And just a great video for anyone thinking about doing it or for anyone that has done it and wants to be like, yep, yep. <laughs> it's, it's an enjoyable video. Um, a couple of things I, that I think would like to add to his list is how are you going to deal with making your fish room not stink? So how are you going to bring in fresh air and get rid of old air? Um, you know, you can do the dehumidifier and that dehumidifies, but it doesn't bring in fresh air. So how are you going to, like in your bathroom, you can put a little exchanger in, <clears throat> in the ceiling, right? That'll uh, keep the air fresh, something like that. Because otherwise, often you'll walk into a house with a fish room and you walk through the front door, you're like, oh yeah, that's a fish keeper, right? Um, so that's one thing where I was like, ooh, let's talk about that. How are you going to insulate? How do you keep it warm without breaking the bank? Um, heating the room with an electric heater or not having good insulation. Anyway, stuff like that. I just thought it was a really good video. Um, back to just one more fish with Josh. I have a local breeder offering me Fundula Panchex garden rye eggs. Awesome. May I ask the best way to hatch and raise this particular species? Thank you, kind sir. We'll be lurking. Josh out. So, yes, that's amazing. I love that fish. Um, so, if you know how to hatch baby brine shrimp... You're pretty much there. What I would do, I don't know how he's going to give them to you, but I would get some peat moss. I would get it all wet, take out a clump of it, squeeze it as hard as you can after it's soaked up a bunch of water. Squeeze it pretty much as hard as you can um, and then loosen that up. So it's damp, but not saturated. It's not going to be dripping water freely. Right? You'd have to squeeze really hard to get any more water out of it. Take that, put the eggs in that, and put that in a sealed bag, like a Ziploc bag with a good amount of air in it, like your shipping fish, you know, Ziploc bag, mostly air, a little bit of damp peat moss. A freezer bag, something that isn't going to dry out in a couple of days, a nice thick freezer bag, okay? 
Wait. Oh, if they're brand new when he gives them to you, wait about 12 days, then look at them. If the eggs have eyed up, if you can see eyes through the egg membrane, then go ahead and put them in water and the babies will hatch. If you can't see eyes, wait a couple more days. Check again. When you hatch them, put them in a long, wide, shallow container. You don't want like a mate, you don't want this. You want like a plastic shoe box or something. So the key is you want about an inch of water in there, but enough surface area that the top of the water isn't choked with your peat moss. It needs to be mostly free of peat moss so that the baby fish can hatch and get to the surface. Okay, and about an inch of water is all you want. Once they've hatched, they're super easy to raise. Just uh, if you have a small, well-cycled aquarium, put them in there, feed them baby brine shrimp, and raise as any baby fish pretty much. Um, you can raise them in small containers and do frequent water changes and feedings, but the easiest way is if you have a five and a half gallon aquarium or something with a sponge filter, just in some plants, just put them in there, squirt a little baby brine shrimp in occasionally. And they grow really fast. So those are those are my basic thoughts on how to kind of care for the eggs and hatch them. And peat moss, in my opinion, is the easiest way to do it. The peat moss has some antifungal, um, antibacterial properties. It's a pretty sterile uh, medium. And also in water, bacteria and fungus can travel a lot easier than in a dry situation like, like damp peat moss. So you tend to get less loss due to fungus or bacteria. So those are my thoughts, Josh. Hope that's helpful. Tasty fish sauce, the ramen break super chat. That's where I'm at. If you're wondering how far behind I am, way far. All right. Chewy LTD, good to see you. There was a day before protein skimmer, but what do you think is the best advancement in aquarium keeping overall? He thinks the RO unit. Yeah, the RO unit was pretty good. Well, overall, do I have to pick one chewy? I, I, there's three. I want to say three of them. So I'm thinking early on, like late 1885, let's say, something like that, when the first uh, paradise fish came to the United States and were the first kind of tropical fish, even though they're subtropical, uh, to be kept. And then we kind of got these aquariums built, you know, handmade little glass tanks and people would do it and be okay, but a lot of fish didn't do well, right? I think there's, I want to say three major things that changed. One was the invention of air pumps. So as soon as we could get oxygen bubbling in the water, a lot more success and we could power filters cheaply and efficiently. So I'm going to go with the air pump. Now this is early, early on, right? B, the heater. Suddenly you could keep true tropical species. You couldn't just keep subtropical species. You know, before that it was paradise fish. It was uh, goldfish, things like that. But now we could keep, uh, you know, 
discus, let's say, stuff like that, angelfish. And then the other one I'm going to say is the fluorescent light. Because before the fluorescent light, it was super difficult to grow plants. I, I remember those screw and incandescent hoods. You couldn't grow anything in those. And they got super hot. And in the summer, they would overheat your tank and they were horrible. So I'm cheating. I'm not giving you just one thing. But you said overall, so I'm thinking the scope of aquarium keeping, besides the aquarium itself, I think heaters, air pumps, and then those are probably most important, but, but lights sure helped when you could have some plants. So that's my thoughts. The biggest change I've experienced in my lifetime or, or in my hobby I don't know when they were introduced, but when I discovered sponge filters, that was a game changer. All I knew for a long time was under gravel filters. And then suddenly there were sponge filters. And maybe they've been around for longer, but the moment I discovered them, suddenly I could do a lot more stuff really well as a fish breeder. So I could go with that. Yeah. Got to Annalise, $10 Super Chat. Thanks again, Annalie. And Beast Heart. Are you planning on selling Japanese rice fish? Okay, the saga of the rice fish. <laughs> I'm hoping to. So I've been looking. I've tried a couple times. I can. There's lots of rice fish to, that do really well. But the Madaka, and specifically the captive bred strains, the different colors, different finage, different body shapes. Haven't had a lot of luck with those. And I just, my issue is I haven't found a supplier that has clean animals. What I mean by clean animals is animals that um, will thrive in my tanks. They don't come in with some sort of sickness to where I can't get them to thrive. So, a lot of times, a fish is like you and me. We're full of parasites. We're full of bacteria. We have strep all over our skin. We have all kinds of stuff going on. And it's fine. There's no problem. Until our immune system is compromised or we get some kind of physical injury that compromises our defense mechanisms, a big gaping wound in our skin, something like that. But let's go with the stress thing. We're so stressed, our immune system is compromised, we become ill, right? Well, same I found with the Japanese rice fish and, and some other fish as well. The hyphen, um, red-eyed red cauliflower swordtails and some others. Where they're bred and raised, they're fine. They're full of parasites, they're full of viruses, they're full of all these things, just like you and me and every other advanced organism on Earth, Okay. But there are some fish that when they go through the stress of shipping and come to me, for some reason, there's something in my water, there's pathogens I have that they can't live with, or they have a virus that is triggered that I, they can't recover from, something like that, and they just don't thrive for me. And so I found that with the Japanese rice fish. I'm sure that when I buy them, the breeder's selling me robust, happy fish, but they've got something that prevents them from doing well in my aquariums. So would I like to? Yes. The trick is finding a supplier 
with fish that will thrive in my aquariums and I haven't found that person yet. Um, and I'm not the only one. I've been talking to other people that bring them in or try them and things like that. And a lot of people are having the same issues. So, you know, the wild ones are super hardy, tough little buggers. But there's something about these domestic strains that I'm not having a lot of luck with. And everyone I know that's tried them or brought them in um, generally has a lot of struggles. Now, some people can get a few to survive and start a generation and breed them out and stuff. Um, but me as someone, and I'd like to do that, but as someone running a business right now, what I need to find is a steady supply that thrive for me. I can't bring in a big batch, get the few survivors, breed them out, wait for months, take the tank space and everything to get them healthy, and then try to breed them and, and still be profitable. It doesn't work for the business model. Um, but I would like to. So if you or anyone else here knows a supplier of Japanese rice fish and um, has positive experiences with them um, and is like, yeah, I get them from this person all the time and they're rock solid. I don't have losses. They thrive. Then I'll try them again. But I got to find that hookup, if you will, before I, I try them again. But I love them. There's a few fish that are like this for me, though. And I could try again, but I don't think it's fair to the fish. Once I know that the suppliers I have that those fish don't do well for me, then just ordering them again and again is just, that's just kind of cruel, I feel like, to the fish. So I'm trying to find some that'll do fine. Um, wow, lots of super chats piling in. Thanks, folks. Um, Moonstone KK, $2 super chat. Thank you. One more fish tank, you mean. Oh, what did I say? Was it super embarrassing? Was it full of innuendo and a little bit dirty? I, I don't know what I said, but I probably did mean one more fish tank. Oh, geez. I wonder what I said. <laughs> so Sometimes I say stuff and I don't even realize it. <laughs> and it can be pretty embarrassing. Carpenter 78, $10. Woo, thank you. That is, that's a hefty super chat. How many epistos in a 40 breeder gallon? Ooh. What male to female ratio species only tank? So, okay, Carpenter, um, let me get into that. Not all epistos are created equal. Okay, some get larger than others. Some are more aggressive than others. Some pair off in the pairs defend the tank against everyone else. Some are community breeders. Some are harem spawners where one male will have a big harem of females and beat up any male that comes in the tank. So, so it's varied, but let me tell you about some of the common ones. Let's talk about Epistogram Panduro, Epistogram McMasteri, Steel Blue Epistos, Epistogram Cacatoides, um, Tuoides. All those I found do fine in groups if there's a lot of cover so that any subdominant males can get away. And the one that does least well in groups I found is the cockatoides. Just because one male will become dominant and he'll really chase the other males around whenever he sees them. So you have to have a lot of line of sight blocks. And even in a 75 gallon tank, um, those subdominant fish can 
be so harassed and stressed that they just don't do well. They don't grow as big as they should. They don't color out. Sometimes they get so stressed that they get ill and they die. So um, it can happen with cockatoides, but you have to have the tank really set up with lots of line of sight blocks. The Panduro and the McMasteri, I've never had a problem. And um, the key, I think, is to keep either a large group or a tank with just one male. If you have a large group, you're going to be fine. If you only have two males in the tank, say you have two pairs and you put them in a tank, probably a problem. Those males are going to just hammer each other. Okay. So in, in a 75 gallon tank, you asked about a 40, but I have, let me tell you what I do in a 75 and you can extrapolate from that. Um, I can keep easily 150 of each of those species, Panduro or McMasteri, and without any problem. So you could keep a nice big group. Um, and if you're a good fish keeper, you know, experienced fish keeper, and you're willing to change water frequently, and uh, you have plants to help absorb ammonia and stuff like that, you kind of know how to keep a tank stable long term, then in a 40 gallon, you should be able to get a nice big group in there. So that's my general thoughts on I'm not giving you a hard number. The Panduro and the McMaster, I tend to do well in communities. The Cacatoides can, but be a little cautious. And there's lots of other species, but they all have specific uh, aggression patterns and pairing behavior and uh, territory defense behavior and, and triggers. So it, it kind of depends a little bit. But hopefully that was enough of an answer to get you started. Um, Moonstruck, $10 super chat. Thank you so much. On top of the $2 one. What, what a real tip looks like. Yes, Dan, on the compromised immune stressed equals Ill, illness. Yes, Dan, on the compromised immune system plus stress equals illness. Yeah. There's probably something really clever in that super chat that my mind is not connecting. What a real tip looks like. Not sure, but thanks for the super chat, Moonstone, and uh, I'm glad you agree. <laughs> Chattanooga Ed, $10. Pam is the sweet rice fish queen. Yeah, um, for uh, Waware, the, the uh, daisies rice fish, um, Pam's got a ton, 54 punchies breeding those like crazy. In fact, if I remember right, I think I sold 54 punchy her original colony. Um, or Is that right, Pam? I could be mistaken. I can't remember which fish I've sent you for sure. But the question was about Japanese rice fish. That's different. So the Wawari, um is from a completely different island chain and is, is very distinct. Um, when we're talking about Japanese rice fish, usually we're talking about domestic bred strains of Madaka. So, but yeah, Java rice fish, uh, Daisy's rice fish, wild Japanese rice fish. All these things are generally really hardy, but I'm talking specifically about the domestic strains. Because I think that's what Beast Heart was asking. I could be wrong, but that's what I think. Um, Mega Mindy Lou, I see you have Threadfin of cars for sale with the get along with electric blue I have. Yeah, I think they would in a large tank. Um, the blue Akaras and the Threadfin Akaras. I can't think of any reason there would be a problem. That being said, I've not tried it, so I can't say, oh, I did it and it was fine. Um, 
But both those species are so mellow, I'd be surprised if there was a problem. Anyone here, have you tried it? And if so, did you have success so that Mega Mindy Lou can get an answer from someone with actual experience? Because I'm really just extrapolating and kind of thinking, yeah, based on what I know, I think they'd be fine. Kaylee's Aquatics, $50 super chat. Boom. Thank you. And um, <laughs> this is the funniest sticker ever. A big purple person cheerleading. It's fantastic. Thanks, Bob. I appreciate the super chat. It's going to make Brenda's night when I tell her. Appreciate it. T. Miller, $10. Thanks again. Recommendations for cool water, 65 to 75 nano fish in a 10 to 20 gallon. Okay, gallon. Um, my mind jumps immediately to the Tin Winnie Danio. Um, beautiful little Danio, only gets maybe an inch. Peaceful, pretty colorful for a Danio, and really active and, and would like it at those temperatures. That's one. Um, rice fish <laughs> is another one. Japanese rice fish, if you can find some healthy ones. Um, the Variatus platy. And then I encourage people generally that ask this question about cooler water fish. Okay. Look at NANFA, N-A-N-F-A dot org. That's the Native American Fish Association, I think. I'm doing this on the fly. Native American Fish Association, NANFA. Native American Fish, something, something like that. I'm missing the letter. But um, lots of our natives, lots of the killifish are like um, Leptoleukemia omata. Is that how you say that? Cute little surface dwelling killifish would do fine at those temperatures. Aphanius, beautiful little killifish would do fine at those temperatures. There's lots of little shiners. There's lots of little catfish, although they might need it a little cooler. Lots of darters would be happy at that temperature. Orange cheek darters, rainbow darters. Um, our natives are amazing. So check them out. See if there's anything there that you like. Now, some of them need really pure water and really high oxygen and things like that. But there's a, there's a group of them that will do great in aquariums. And then I'd also check out fish from say China, um, Korea, paradise fish, for example, from Korea, a lot of the fish out of China, there's a lot of really interesting loaches and uh, little catfish and um, little cyprinids out of China that might do well in a tank like that. It's a fairly small tank, um, but check out your natives first. So hopefully T. Miller, uh, let me, I think your CPDs would probably, fish out of Burma. There's a lot of neat fish coming out of Burma um, and most of them like it cooler as well. So maybe check out your uh, Celestial Pearl Danios. They probably like it down a little cooler. Um, your glow light Danios would do fine at those temperatures. They're beautiful little fish. Um, oh yeah. A lot of the gobies, the rhinogobia species are amazing. Uh, white cheek gobies, um, that's rhinogobius duosphilus or something like that. Um, rhinogobius yaushinensis would do great. I, I hope that gets you started. Um, 
But again, a T. Miller, if you find a list of like 10 that you like and you email them to me, dan at dancefish.com, I'll take the time to go over the list and work with you to try to find something that works. But it really helps to have a starting point. Um, a lot of the wild type bettas like it a little cooler too, might do well. And of course, tons of killifish like it like that. Aphiosimian striatum would do great. Most of the Aphiosimian species would do wonderfully. So hopefully that gets you started. Bika 63, 10 bucks. Super chats are pouring in. Thank you, folks. I appreciate it. It's super helpful. It's never required. Um, but we are on ramen wages starting this business and every little, <laughs> every 10 bucks, that's a lot of ramen. <laughs> but it, it all helps as we go through this. So thank you. Um, remember me next time I bought thread fins from you. They're doing great. Remember me. I will try to remember you, Vika 63. The issue is when you order from dancefish.com, I get your real name and I don't always know your real name versus your username. Um, and I've probably sold thread fins to, I've probably sold 400 thread fin rainbows over the last several months. Um, that's a lot of people that have bought Threadfin rainbows, but I'm glad you got them. I'm glad they're doing well. That's amazing. It's always really gratifying to hear, um, that fish I sell are doing well long-term because that's my entire goal and my entire reason for being in business. It's a, it's a part of this industry I'm trying to change. So I appreciate that. And I always want to say it doesn't always happen every now and then things go sideways, but generally it does. And it's great to get that confirmation. You know, when I don't hear anything, I assume things are going fine. <laughs> so when I hear they're not, I know. When I hear they are, I know. But it's nice to get some confirmation one way or the other. Tim Miller, $3 with a thumbs up pair. Right back at you. Oh, by the way, people were asking um, about my fingers on the live stream last week. They're like, what are your ink stained fingers? What's going on there? That was just paint. I was painting a bunch of aquariums. I use a flat black Rust-Oleum oil paint and it gets, it just stays for days. So it was just paint. Nothing, nothing too exciting. Okay. Back to, oh, got one more from Mr. Zen. 20 bucks from at the Ginger Zen. Very informative. Thank you, Mr. Zen. So you were formerly the Zen Ginger. And now you're Mr. Zen. Is that is that what's happening? Name change. <laughs> it's hard to keep track of usernames sometimes when they change. Like who did it recently? Uh, Wichita Falls Fishkeeper changed his, and I was like, oh, it's going to take me a year to get that. And when Bob Kaler changed his to Kaler's Aquatics, it was like, oh man, it's going to take me a while. I get so used to it. Um, but thanks for the twenty dollars super chat. Awesome. Thank you. So helpful. And thanks for supporting and being here. And I see you in lots of other live streams as well. So thanks for supporting the community. Um, 44 mag guy, fish and more. Hello, Dan. Long time no see. Oh, it's been forever. Like a week. <laughs> anyway, glad you're here. Good to see you. I can't remember the last stream you were in, but you were here last week, weren't you? But either way, good to see you again. Uh, the Lone Aquarius, do you ever import some cool guppy strains from Asia? Um, occasionally, I had some tequila sunrise that I thought were great. 
I really like my turquoise guppies. I have a strain that I think is wonderful. Um, but I don't, okay. Here's the thing. I can order pretty much all the fancy guppies with the, the Dumbo fins and the platinum dragon, blah, 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 all that stuff. Right. The issue is generally to get them at a cost where I wouldn't have to charge you 45, 50, sometimes $150 a pair. I have to buy in bulk. And they're still pretty expensive. And usually I have to buy 100, 200 pairs at a time to get a decent price. But it's not a decent enough price that I feel... Okay, so I could get just a few and bring them in um, through a transship or like most people do. Or import them myself. Um, the issue is the price per pair is so high when I do that. Right? So I could do that a few at a time and do that, but I don't want to, I want to do it at a price that makes sense. But then the bulk is so high that I'd sell off the top few and then I'd be stuck with, you know, 150 pairs for a year. So I haven't found the model that makes sense. If, am I explaining this right? It's a question of quantity and price. And I haven't found the quantity and price that mix together to make sense to where I can pass them on to my customer at a price where the customer will be happy and I can sell through 100, 200 pairs rapidly enough that it makes sense for the business. So yes, I can, but I haven't found the quantity mixed with price ratio that works. Excuse me. Not on the super fancy strains. Mm. But that is why we have Kengli at Twin City Guppies and um, yeah, in Guppy Train and other places like that. They specifically ship in small quantities of a given strain and flip them and uh, yeah. Zach Billings. Okay, let me, I feel like, I feel like I've left something out there. So people often ask me, can you get this? And Generally, the answer is, if it's something I want, if I find it a good group at the right price, I will get it. In this business, you have to be really cognizant of the price you're getting things at, what your margins are, what you're going to be able to sell them for, and if you're going to be able to sell through a group or not. Because every tank you have has to generate income for the business or it won't work. Just like a table at a restaurant. If, if you can't serve the table, get those customers gone, get the next group of customers in and do that four or five times over the lunch rush, you're going to go out of business. Same with the tank. So if a tank is full of a strain of amazing guppy that I love and that 50 other people love, but I still got 150 of them left, then that real estate, that table in the restaurant, that aquarium is basically lying fallow. It's not paying for the space shelf space, <laughs> if you will. So that's, I guess that's a way to explain the economics behind it. Much as I love to the hobbyist in me is like, yes, I'm getting those. But the businessman in me is like, that will drive you out of business if you do that. 
Zach Billings, if you wanted to pick a couple species of corridors to breed for profit, what would you pick? Um, Equus and Weitzmanai. Love them. Absolutely love them. I think they're gorgeous. Yep. Easy answer. Those are just my, every time I see those, I drool a little bit. You know, those, those quarries. <laughs> Ugh, aquatics. My extremely large sword tails gave me fry. Awesome. Very orange. Terrific cone orange. Oh, traffic cone orange. The eBay killifish dealer does sell real eggs. I've seen success from others. Cool. Awesome. Well, I'm glad you got babies, and I hope that anyone that buys eggs online does have success. I, I hope so. Um, I haven't, but I always want people that are getting fish and stuff to be successful and have a positive experience because that, inf you know, positive reinforcement is what the hobby needs. It needs that so people stay in the hobby and the hobby grows, and it also it just makes us happier people, right? When we're successful with something, it's like this is awesome. Life is wonderful. It's great. Chattanooga Ed, 10 bucks. Got to that finally, Ed. Dan, you're the man, the fish man. Thanks again, Ed. <laughs> We've only got 12 minutes left in this in this chat, in this live stream, and I'm way behind. Beastart, have my 20-gallon half filled with Java Moss. I have both guppies and platy in the tank. I was looking to breed in that tank. I've not seen any fry for five months. Any suggestions? Wow. Okay. I'm assuming you're seeing females get gravid and then get skinny and get gravid and get skinny. If that's happening, then I would remove the platies probably. If that doesn't work, put the platies back in, remove the guppies. Some Then one of those species is just a prey driver, right? They're just chasing those fry down. For some reason, they've got an itch to eat fry. If you're seeing them bulk up and thin down and bulk up and thin down, right? So they're giving birth, but then eating them. The other thing that could be happening is if you're not seeing your females get gravid and then get skinny and then get gravid and then, you know, get normal again after they give birth, it could be that they're just not breeding. And that can happen. If the females don't get enough nutrition or if there's some kind of internal parasite or there are some parasites that attack the reproductive organs specifically, then um, it could be something where, ooh, let's run some uh, general cure through these, see if we can, you know, clean them up. But if you're seeing them get gravid and thin again, then it's a predation issue and you've got to just remove one of the species to find out which one is the one eating the fry. If none of that works then I'd get a, a separate tank and move the gravid females to it about a week or two before they give birth. Full of plants, fully cycled tank, ready to go, but just a lone female in there and remove her after she drops. Candy Overholes, thanks for linking my email up there for folks. Small Fry Aquatics, briefly, Greg Sage and I have talked about belly sliders. Often water depth during the first few days can be the culprit, not always, but with some killies and others. Yeah, it could be. Um, I've never seen a scientific study on that. I've seen a lot of anecdotal stuff. Um, but definitely when you're hatching like gardener eye eggs and things, you want to killifish eggs, you want to do it in about an inch of water. Um, once they're swimming normally, I, they don't really go back to belly sliding. 
right? If they hatch and they, they don't ever swim normally, you have a belly slider. But if they hatch, they swim normally and stuff, then I've never seen a fish that starts normal regress into a belly slider. So hatch them in shallow water, get them started, and then, and then move them. Yep. Okay. Chat jumped on me, so I am scrolling like mad. Sorry, trying to find where I left off. Man, I'm so far behind. Yeah, this happens. Okay, and it won't let me scroll up all the way, so I'm going to go to the next one I can, which is Michael Wentworth. Thanks for the opportunity to get in on some hashtag random fish, hashtag breeding is pleasure. Why, yes, it is. Uh, Michael Wentworth, you're welcome. And thanks for being here, and thanks for being a mod at the Get Gills Facebook page. I appreciate you and uh, Disco Fish doing that for me. Uh, 54 Punchy, yes, I got my original six rice fish from you. Okay, that's what I thought, Pam. I couldn't, it's been a while, couldn't remember that far back. But so then they are the Wuwore, not the Japanese rice fish. Yeah. <laughs> Kids Aquatics, the, the, uh, the super chat. Buffer for the building fund. I appreciate it, Bob. Thank you. Because I am getting down to the to the line on that for sure. Um, but that's okay because I'm almost done building. Now I've got to just order some stuff. Get the first order in, acclimated and sold, and we'll be in good shape. Got to Beka 63 Super Chat and Aquatics. My Tin Winnie were awesome. Love this fish. It's a great little fish. Brachio Danio Tin Winnie, is that it? I can't remember. Is it just Danio Tinwini? Yes, the smallest of the Danio, I think. It's so cool to watch them spar and show for females. The males' fins seem to even have some bronze coloring. Very cool. Yeah, Tinwini are beautiful little nanofish. Like them a lot, and they can take cooler temperatures. Small fry aquatics. Dan doesn't see messages unless you preface Dan's fish with the at sign. That's true. Uh, if they don't highlight for me, Bika, I, I just don't see them. And even then, sometimes chat will skip on me or I'll just accidentally miss someone. I never mean to, but it does happen. Risa Real, hi, right back at you. Thanks for being here. T. Miller, $3 with the uh, thumbs up pair. Thanks again. Nocturnal Aquarist, hey, hello. Got to Mr. Zen, awesome. And 54 Punchy. At Dance Fish, no, husband and wife. I'm sure that made sense 20 minutes ago when she typed it, but I'm so far behind. I don't remember what that's. Oh, what did I mix up? Zen Ginger's sex? No, no. He's the husband. Oh, got it. Got it. Okay. Mr. Zen is the husband and the Zen Ginger is the wife. I am clear now. Thank you. Thank you. Sorry, Mr. Zen. I thought you were the user that used to be the Zen Ginger. Because you said from the at Zen Ginger. I got it. Got it now. I'm straight. Thank you. Got it straight in my mind. <laughs> Thanks for uh, straightening me up, my mods. Sorry about that. Nocturnal Aquarius. Yeah, it's really hard to import them and still be able to move them at a reasonable place to make it worth bringing them in. We need more domestic breeders to focus on the fancier strains. Yes, uh, and it's not so much for prices for like hardiness and longevity and stuff like that. Anytime, this is what people are trying so hard to do with the uh, red-eyed red cauliflower swordtail. They're super hard to bring in. <laughs> I found from personal experience and others have too. 
and have them thrive. So we're trying to get them in and thriving um, in the United States and breeding so that we can sell fish to people that will live in the United States that don't have to go through different countries of import that are uh, used to our foods, used to our water, and we'll have a better, better chance with. So, yep. Price wise, breeding domestically doesn't always decrease the price, but it definitely helps with hardiness and things like that. Edgar, Edgar's touching finger. By the way, I bought a pair of turquoise guppies from you a few months ago. And wow, the female I was sent was huge and she doesn't stop dropping fry. Awesome, Edgar. I'm glad to hear it. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's one that you, you got to get the parasites out and then boom, they're big and happy. So I'm, I'm glad that worked out. I'm glad you're getting lots of fry. That's awesome. I mean, I love that strain. That turquoise guppy strain is really nice. I don't know what you're seeing in your babies, Edgar, but I don't see any red in the strain. Hardly. Every now and then a tiny bit of red. And that's really hard to achieve with the blue fish because red is the dominant color. And that's why I like this strain so much. True LTD bulk orders on guppies is also not the same as dealing with a breeder. Y- yes, for sure. For sure. Okay. Well, we did it. Um, of all the chats I can see. I think I got them all. Chat did jump and didn't let me go up to the very top. So if your question or comment didn't get answered, it probably got cut off when that happened and I couldn't see it. So I apologize, but we have a couple minutes. So if you do want to leave it again, then I'll be able to get to a few of them, but I'm sorry if I missed it. Um, (laughs) It's one of the dangers of taking so long with each question and comment and not keeping up with the chat in real time that every now and then YouTube says you're here now and it just throws you to the bottom and forces you there and doesn't let you scroll back up past a certain point to see what you missed. I think YouTube is like telling me you need to be at the bottom of the chat. You need to be at the bottom of the chat. You need to be at the bottom of the chat. But I don't like that. I see the chat. I see the questions and comments directed to me as jumping off points for topics that people are interested in rather than um, something I need to be up with in real time. So I look at those as, oh, this is an opportunity to talk about this topic. This is on someone's mind. I'll talk about this topic. And I like to take my time with them. Monica Lynn, 10 bucks. Monica Lynn, thank you so much. Thank you for all your help and knowledge. Plants and fish, mostly fish. (laughs) P.S. I hope I win the giveaway or at least some get some followers video out soon. Awesome. Awesome. I'm glad you're releasing stuff. Thanks for the super chat so much. Glad you're here, Monica. You've been here for quite a while. So thanks for being here. Rick Stidham, someone I haven't seen for a little while, but good to see you again. I get maybe one in 50 turquoise guppies with red in the tail. Good. They're actually really cool looking and I've gotten them separated, hoping to develop them in this strain. Okay. So one in 50 isn't bad. Like that's pretty darn good. That's a, that's a good strain of turquoise guppies. So I'm glad you're having that experience too, because when I sell them, that's what I tell people. I'm like, get this strain. It has no red. It's amazing. Out of a hundred, 200 fish, you might have a couple with red. Um, and I'd hate if people are buying them and having the experience of they breed them and they get a bunch of red in the baby. So I'm glad to hear that that's true for you too, Rick. Um, and good to see you again. Um, 
I feel like it's been a little while, but maybe I'm just not remembering right. But great to see you. How's your fish warehouse going at Dan's Fish? The annex is going well. I am, uh, I think all the aquariums are arriving tomorrow or Friday. They're in transit. They're on a truck right now. So it's going pretty good. And from the time the aquariums land, I think I'll be up and running within a week from them. So they'll land this weekend. So by the end of next week, I think I'll have all the systems up and running. And um, at that point, what I plan on doing is buying a bunch of black worms and putting a bunch of cycled sponge filters and uh, lava rock that I put in my aquariums to hold some beneficial bacteria out there and seed the tanks, put a bunch of black worms in the tanks and feed the black worms heavily for a week or so. Check ammonia and nitrite. And if everything's good, then go ahead and do an order. So I'm kind of cheating, jump-starting the cycle, um, but I want to uh, make sure that uh, everything's okay for a week or so before I actually make an order. Yeah. Usually you can take a, a cycled sponge filter, put it in a tank, and you're good to go, but I just want to be a little extra cautious. <laughs> and by the way, I think what I'm going to do in the annex is move the fish I currently have to the annex and put the new fish in this facility. Because I know these tanks are fully cycled. And if there is a problem in the annex with getting something established or there's a blip in the cycle or something, I don't want that to happen to newly imported fish that are already stressed. They won't handle that very well. So I'm, I'm thinking of the best way to do it. Nocturnal Aquarist. Oh, it's 831. This will be, okay, these, oof. Yep, this has got to be the last one besides the Super Chat I'll get to soon. Um, Nocturnal Aquarist, are there any small inverts that you think would work well in a heavily planted aquarium, cyclops, fairy shrimp, scuds, etc.? cetera? Um, I don't know about fairy shrimp. I think they're a little harder, but scuds for sure. Cyclops generally do okay too. Um, but not if there's fish in there. If there's fish in there, you can put those in there, seed those cultures, get them going. The moment you put fish in there, they'll start eating them. And yes, a few may survive, but you'll probably never see them. The population will get cut down to the point that only a few will survive. Um, but they generally will survive. They'll dig down in the gravel. They'll find little places. But um, you might not ever see them again unless you remove the fish and then suddenly your population in a few weeks will probably explode again. So yeah, they can work, but they will get predated if there's fish in the tank. If not, yeah, you can get a massive colony going. Killers Aquatics, $10 with another happy cheerleader. This one is blue. It's the Pippi Longstocking cheerleader. <laughs> Thank you, Bob. I appreciate it. I think that might be Bob's way of telling me we're out of time, which we are. So... Let's do the drawing for a pair of beta rubra and some rando stuff. Here we are. We'll close on this note. Drum roll, please. And the winner is William Pridemore. William Pridemore, if you are here and you're in the United States, please chime in and say, hey, I'm here. You've got a minute to do that, after which we'll draw again in case you're not here. Jay Adams, me, 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 me. 
Jay, you just typed meme. <laughs> All right. There, William Pridemore is here. Well, welcome. Congratulations. Please send me an email, dan at dancefish.com. Candy has it down there for you. Um, by noon tomorrow would be great. Just saying, here's my first and last name and my address. And uh, please send me the fish. Once I get that, then I know you want them. I know who you are and know where to send them. And I will send them on Monday. All right, everyone. Thanks for being here. Thanks to my mods. I, I appreciate you so much. Thanks for being here and thanks for doing this and making this stream work. Um, thanks to everyone that left a super chat. That was an amazing day for super chats. That's going to help a lot. Thank you. Um, you know, they're not required or anything. And I don't like asking for them or begging or anything, but every time you get one, it's helpful. So I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, all the questions and comments helps make this lively. Thanks for participating, giving me stuff to talk about because I run out of ideas. And everyone that is lurking, I got you. Everyone watching on the replay, thanks so much. Until next Wednesday, 7 p.m. Mountain Time, I hope you have a good one. Until then, thanks. Bye-bye.